24 hours ago, we were still in the playoffs. 20 minutes to go in the games, we were still in the playoffs. We'd got three points. We'd got five goals in our favour in those 20 minutes. Four could have gone in, would still have been in the playoffs. In the end, six of them went in. I mean, how can we explain that? Can we explain that? And perhaps more importantly, how can we get over it and and move on? I think, I think although we've been here before, this is a, I mean, it's just kind of a new era of just horrendousness. Um, what what can we do? Indeed, I mean, we we just capitulated. I, I'm believe it or not, if we just lost out on the playoffs and finished seventh by some relatively normal way I think I would have been okay with it really um, but to do it in that manner to do it in that manner was just horrible wasn't it um, I think to try and jump to that last question you just asked there I think the big issue now that I keep thinking about today is where are we going where are we going from here because we we know we know what these sort of so-called failures have bought us and it's new projects, new eras, new managers, new players. And I don't think it's worked for us. Um, that's not to say that Lamushi has not, not made some mistakes since this sort of post-virus football. Um, I think he has, and I think he's acknowledged that. Um, but, oh dear, it, it, it's just a horrible, horrible situation that we've gone and capitulated in this way. And I'm really struggling to know what to say. I know that's not great for a podcast, but it's just, it's just really, really, um, wow, just typical, isn't it? Just typical. I think the thing is, when you look at what's happened during the, um, you know, pandemic uh, series of games, I want a better term, um, we started, you know, we were at the races because we hadn't played for so long and they were kind of champing at the bit. But we, we just, I think we just got, we played progressively worse as the games went on. Mm. Um, and, you know, some people can say, okay, well, you know, maybe we got tired and everything else. Well, it's the same for the 22 other teams in the, in the division. I mean, look how many games Cardiff won. Um, you know, you're right, Matt. And what can you say? You know, there's a, and the wholesale changes that you listed. Once again, you're right. Is, 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 it, is that going to work? Probably not. It hasn't worked in the past. Um, I finally got around to you know watching Sabri's um, post-match interview, and um, I mean, he looked a broken man, and he felt really sorry for him to a certain degree. And, you know, he certainly wouldn't want you to feel sorry for him. Um, he seems like a lovely man. You know, he certainly you know has proven to be a good coach. Um, so the school, two schools have thought, oh, do you carry on with him or do you, do you, do you make a change? Um, you know, I can't see... There's arguments for both, both sides of that same coin, really, aren't there? And, um, but, you know, as Phil has been saying for the last few, few weeks, in fact, you know, um, probably since the Derby game to a certain degree, um, you know, it was there in our hands and in the manner in which we've, we've let it slip through our grasp is is mind-boggling and um is you know 
it's intrinsic to this club. It doesn't matter who the regime are, it doesn't matter who the players are. There just seems to be something within, as Phil has said again, within the very fabric of the club that just seems to, you know, it happens again, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a few things in there that we might kind of come back to. Um, but I watched that interview as well. I watched it today. I didn't, obviously, wasn't really in the mood for anything like that last night. Um, watched it today. And I think, I think that what you can say with Lamushi is that, you know, there was no, um, there was no kind of mask there. That was very much him um, and how he was feeling. And he was feeling very, very low. Um, and he did acknowledge that, you know, the situation that, that has happened with these games coming very quickly one after the other is something that everybody has faced. He acknowledged that it was in our hands and he acknowledged that mistakes were made. Um, and I think, I mean, I'd thought that maybe the break was going to give us that kind of bit of respite and it was a chance to get players back fit again and that they were going to come back with a bit of energy and it looked like that might be the case in those kind of early two or three. And very quickly, we seem to run out of steam and we seem to have um, injuries niggling at, at people, even if it wasn't complete, like Lolly obviously was having problems. Um, you know, players, some players were out. Cash obviously missed quite a few of the games. Other players were still in, but were clearly not completely um, fit and raring to go. And I think, like you were kind of saying, Matt, if we just sort of dropped out because we'd run out of steam and we'd got injuries and we just haven't got enough players to keep filling in the gaps and all that kind of thing, I think we, we would have accepted that probably quite happily. Um, well, not happily, but you know what I mean. It would have just been an acceptable way of, of, you know, we hit a wall and we couldn't get over it. The difficulty, I suppose, is that those last two games, really, we needed a point and we were playing teams in 24th place and 17th place at the time that we, that we played them. Um, we needed a point. We seem to have always had a structure and a way of playing that can deliver that sort of you know, result for us. We should have been quite, we should have known what we were doing. We should have had our plans laid. Um, I think Sabri even talked before the, probably before the Barnsley game saying, you know, we just need to keep, do, the players need to keep doing what they've been doing. And then we see a change of formation and things move about. It's like, well, why have you stopped doing what you were doing? And the whole club just seemed to freeze at that key moment. I think Barnsley was the first time that we actually came away and thought, what are you doing? You know, that's, that is just a, a real mistake that's being made there and a, and a real question mark over the way that you're kind of managing that team at that point. Um, and then obviously last night just then, took it to a whole new level. Um, I saw in that interview, Sabri was saying, um, I kept shouting to them, keep the ball, keep the ball. But keeping the ball is what we've not been good at for the whole season, if we're honest. And to to try to say to them, um, I mean, there was a little period, wasn't there, when Steve Hodge was going, oh, this is great. Um, the defence was just passing it between themselves. And it was like they decided this is it, feet up, we'll just keep hold of the ball here and everything will be fine. And, and at that point, they switched off and the whole thing just fell apart. So they stopped doing what they've been doing. Yeah, they did. And um, the Barnsley game was reminiscent in a way of, uh, the one that I keep coming to was probably like Wigan earlier in the season, long, long since forgotten now, that one on the Sunday where he changed the team a little bit and it didn't work. And 
I seem to recall stats might prove me otherwise on this one, but I seem to remember we bounced back quite nicely when we've, when we've kind of done similar in the past. Um, we've had a few, uh, Charlton as well at home on that Tuesday springs to mind, where we've he's tinkered with it. It's not worked. And you know what? It very rarely has worked when, when he has tried to make these changes. Um, and I think what most of us expected, certainly me, was that we would get a response um, uh, last night, Wednesday night against Stoke. Now, I don't know about you two, but I actually thought we played pretty well in the first half. And, and f- maybe if Ryan Yates could have scored that one, certainly the lolly one where he was through and he kind of messed it up with the pass to Graben. You know what? This could have very easily been a different story. And, and I, I think it was that close to kind of as the Barnsley game being totally forgotten. It's just that we turned that game last night into, into this ridiculous way we haven't really done this season. If you think of the other hammerings that we've had, um, Sheffield Wednesday and Millwall, we've always been out of those games. They've scored and we've never got back into them, 4-0 and 3-0. Last night, we did the hard work. We got back into the game. But And yeah, Steve Harge was talking about keep hold of the ball and I thought, oh, I don't know about this. I thought I'd rather us actually try and go win this game because I feel that that's probably what we need. And um, I agree entirely. I mean, you know, listening to Harge saying, oh, she's great, as you've been saying. Now I'm thinking, no, it's not, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, we can't what, do that, Sean. What are we, we can't. trying to do? What are we trying to do? Yeah. And did we send a message to Stoke as well? When we, when we yes. Did, did we almost say to Stoke, you know, we're, we're treating you with a little bit of, of contempt almost. And then well, they, they we, went up again. We, I think it might have even been yourself, Steve. Somebody put a tweet out about, the rest of this game could be camped on the halfway line or something like that. Was it, was it yourself? And you thought, you know what? It could have quite easily been. But we did just faff about. I mean, we we made it so easy for a team that had nothing to play for that, I mean, I'm not saying they were there for the taking, but we could have. We could have eased our way towards the final whistle quite comfortably, I feel. And instead, we're, we're just letting them in. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, if you look at how... Um... I mean, the, the performance against Derby was probably the best away performance I've seen from us for a long time, just in terms of organisation and grit and determination. And OK, you know, it was um, a hammer blow at the end. And Steve, you quite rightly said at the time, well, when that goal went in, we should have been 3-0 up anyway. We missed a couple of chances. And that's been, that's been the problem with us throughout these nine remaining games. I think it's nine anyway. Um, it's a litany of... of uh, of last gasp goals by the opposition and squandered opportunities from our point of view where we could have, you know, had the games dead and buried. And um, and, and that is, um, you know, something that uh, you've got to look at and think, you know, well, that's wrong, obviously. You know, there's something wrong there. Um, you know, so, you know, what can you do about that? Because it's, it's always been in our grasp. We, we, we've, on that, on that note, we've, we've, we must be, if not top of the league, certainly very near the top of getting in front in, in games and not hanging on. And like Derby, uh, and like last night, the p- couple of examples I give, we, um, we could have extended leads, took leads, whatever it may be. And when we can't do that, it's like we just go back into our shell. We have these couple of chances. The Derby one was a prime example where we probably, we did so, so much right um, we could have we could have hammered them, but we have this tendency just to 
I don't know what we're doing. It's not like Derby to go back to that one was suddenly all over us. Stoke last night suddenly weren't all over us. They just they just went forward and scored. And it's just yeah. so weak of us to, to go down that road where we we are so easy to score against. But it's defensively over the season, I, I tend to say we've been pretty good. We we've got a fairly strong defence. But it's these moments of madness. And for me, that's that's the bigger crime. We've been harking on about three centre-backs against Barnsley and not enough creation and things like that. But the biggest crime has got to have been these goals that we just let slip from nothing, from positions of strength. And obviously last night, it cost us and, and, and more so. I think there comes a point where, well, I think there is a point where there already, there are being questions asked about, you know, do you make a change? Do you, you know, what is the way kind of forward? Um, it's very early days and, and what I would certainly hope is that there is some um, kind of reflection going on really within the club that isn't um, about moving too quickly to decisions and more about understanding what's gone on during this season. Because I think you can't, have a, you can't go through what we've just gone through and not have some kind of um, analysis of what went wrong within the club and some sort of conversation with Lamushi himself in terms of, you know, we, as we've commented earlier, he, he was broken last night, which is understandable. How does he bounce back and, and, and will he bounce back and can he, and does he want to bounce back with Forrest? Um, I think you've got to, you've got to have that look at what were we doing right? What have we done wrong? And is it something that can be put right within the current kind of group of, of manager and staff? Um, with whatever adjustments may be made to players. I've always kind of, whenever we've got to this stage, and we've got to it a lot, we're Nottingham Forest, we change our manager quite regularly. Whenever we've got to this stage, I've always tried to say, whether the manager's the problem or not, there's usually a bigger problem that we need to deal with as a club than dealing with the manager and, and whether we whether we agree that he should stay or, or go. Um, it's more important actually to focus on those other issues and, and that probably means keep your manager in place, deal with those other things and give him a better opportunity to, to carry on. My current feeling is I would like to see Lamushi given time to give this another go, whilst at the same time being conscious that I think next season is actually going to be quite hard for the club. Um, I don't think it's going to be easy to just bounce straight back from this but I would like to see him given the opportunity to take the club forward, even if that means lowering expectations next season, potentially to allow that to happen. Just kind of interested, I guess, in this first reaction, you know, we're 24 hours away um, from going through a, a bit of a roller coaster. what your feelings are in terms of the management and the, the way that we're going to take this forward. I tend to think, uh, Steve, that I probably agree with you with what you're saying. Um, I do think it would be healthy for all concerned for Lemushi to have some degree of interrogation about what's gone on because I don't think anybody, including the man himself, is, is denying that he's, 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 uh, he's, he's made some cock-ups and we've, we've got ourselves into an absolute state because regardless of what other things that I might want to talk about in a moment, we've, we've, we've rolled over at times and we've made silly daft errors and we've not lined up correctly um, potentially. So... I think, I think that would be healthy and I think that would be expected. Um, on the flip side to that, I think Lamushi being a fairly 
um, um, admirable chap and a fairly sort of staunch uh, chap standing to his principles, I wonder if he might ask his own questions about, well, hang on a minute, this can't all be pointed at me because we failed elsewhere and you've, 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 you've kind of danced around that a little bit but to be specific January transfer windows um, if you look if you look at the um, Swansea for example what they were able to do sign a couple of really good players in January that have really helped them push them into the top six um, include, I forget his name one of the guys that scored a lot of their goals and yeah, we from the Brewster, that's it that's it now there is a little bit of luck always when you sign plays in January, but we didn't, we didn't really seem to have um, that much of a coherent strategy in terms of who we were signing. We let Adoma go, a versatile championship footballer, and signed Diacarbi that just simply hasn't worked. And I, I can see in elements of why we need pace and things like that, but it, 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 it just seemed to be very scattergun. Um, and I think he needs to hopefully ask his own questions and they can try and figure out a happy medium to go forward. Um, I would I would hope Lamushi stays. I think it could be a difficult season next season. There's, there's going to be potential FFP implications, considering obviously we're in this third year cycle of, of how that works, if I've got that correct. Um, we do probably expect that one of our star players will go. Cash seems to be the obvious one. Um, but, but there's nothing... Don't see anything necessarily wrong with that. We've we've had a go. We failed. We we learn from the mistakes of the past. We have done quite well under this regime, where we've sold players, tried to balance books, and rebuild. But for me, the final point on this is, Lamushi needs to be there to carry on this rebuilding job. We know it's had flaws, but the man to put them right surely has to be the man that's identified these flaws and lived through it. What really worries me is that we're going to have a new man come in, a new philosophy, new ideas, and these 20, and I do mean this, 20-year problems are never going to be solved because we never give anyone a chance to, to resolve them. Um, and of course, I will always say that, of course, the right manager has to be in place for them. But despite the last two games, I do still think Sabri is that man. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that as well entirely, you know. Um, you know, it's one of those situations where a lot of these players, you know, especially the younger players, have been in this kind of situation before. Okay, we're probably looking at you know selling cash and probably wall during you know the summer transfer window to try and balance the books. But um, you know, you, you've you've got to learn from this from top to bottom and and take that experience forward and and um, realise where you, as you say, Matt, where your flaws are and where your weaknesses have been. And those have been identified with some continuity, as you say, with the staff, the backroom staff and the coaching staff, and, and be able to push on. Um, once again, you're, you're right in terms of saying, you know, that January, January transfer window was, you know, why are we buying, you know, why are we loaning Diacarby when we've got, you know, Mitre, who's, you know, just as fast as Diacarby. If you're looking at Diacarby for, for pace only, well, Mitre is just as fast. You know, give him a chance, you know, we a couple of you know the last podcast we've seen it would be lovely if you know we we're in a position where we'd make the playoffs in the last couple of games against Stoke and Barnsley. You can start players like Brennan Johnson and and uh, and Mighton and give them some experience. Well, that's never been the case. I mean, you know, uh, they've kind of been chopped and changed in and out of the starting lineup and then being dropped from the squad completely, which is always a bit baffling. Um, you know, we've got we've got some people there that that could have had some you know great experience. If we'd have done this, you know, right in terms of getting the points we needed 
with games to go and then betting in some people that, you know, some players that have got less experience and, and need the game time because, you know, it's a squad game, isn't it, these days? It's not just your first 11. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd say keep Sabri definitely. And, but as you, as you quite rightly say, have some kind of forensic investigation into the process and, and take those experiences forward. Just to um, just to pick up quickly on what you said there, Sean, about Mighton, and um, while we've we've just been laying into a little bit the January dealings, I, I do think another player in in some regards similar to Mighton is is that is De Costa. I've se- we've seen some real potential from both of them during lockdown, um, and I just wonder with both of them where they're gonna we're gonna have players like like De Costa in particular where we're gonna shell out money for him, and we've seen although. Although he's not scored a goal, he's not really been playing up front, in fairness to the guy. I just wonder whether that's another example about the manager staying in place in that we, we, we could actually let some of these players flourish in terms of they've had the opportunities um, and we give them, that, that the players, that opportunity as well to carry on. I'm not saying, of course, we carry on with exactly the same team, um, but there are, there are players there that I think could be good, good, um, good players for us. And again, we... we we stand at the moment, as of right here, right now, we stand on the precipice of that scrap heap of players again, don't we? We talk about the manager, but if a manager goes, suddenly we've got six or seven players that we've got on, on, a, on a two, three-year contract. So there is, yep. there, is, there is that side to it as well. And I think, I think De Costa, for me, I've seen praise of him and I've seen criticism of him. I actually think, you know what, at the moment, forget the price tag, I actually think there's a player with a bit of potential, but... We've got to be careful that he doesn't end up on on this uh, on this uh, scrap pile again. He's shown some nice touches and and some good movement um, and so, like you say some potential without, I guess, currently showing any end product. The interesting one, I, I was deliberately skirting around the notion of the January transfer window and and recruitment in general because that's where I see that there's these two. I guess quite different elements that I think it can be very easy after an experience like last night that we sort of go straight to the manager and start saying well it's all his fault um, and therefore you know heads will roll he didn't meet his target it was top six or this kind of thing Um, and I think it would be wrong to avoid um, as I say a kind of appraisal of what the manager's done that needs to happen that conversation needs to happen and how it goes forward but what I really don't think is that that is is the driving force behind how do you take us forward? Because as we've sort of discussed, we've had a 20-year problem here. We've not had a, a kind of one-year problem. And I think recruitment is in particular one of those areas where we've just never really got to grips with the idea of um, what a recruitment process is and, and what a, a long-term strategic development of a squad looks like. And we just tend to have a very... Um, erratic really approach to the way that we recruit players that you can't really map in well exactly what were we trying to achieve when we did that we've signed 15 players this season either on loan or or permanently Um, of those probably five have made what you would call a a substantial impact on the season Um, some of them you just look at and think well what on earth were we were we thinking when we did that so it's absolutely important that the, the other side of it is that we have a proper reflection as well on what did the football structure and the football leadership do um, to get us to where we are now and how do we actually go about improving those things. And I think part of the context is you can look at Forest in isolation and you think, blimey, we're spending a lot of money. 
you know we've got a big wage bill we've you know there's there's a lot of costs going out there but when you look at it within the context of the championship as a whole it's actually probably mid-table-ish the way that we spend money so our revenue is about mid-table our wage bill is about mid-table because you've got quite a lot of teams now with parachute payments um, and then you've got the odd team that's just that bit bigger in terms of revenues like Leeds have always been um, compared to us so we're actually not top six when we come to the amount of money we spend we're not top six to the revenues that we generate but we've got this target that is you must be top six or or we throw everything up in the air and, and we start again and we've got to think more cleverly about if we're mid-table but in the in the money side but we want to be top six on the football side we've got to be very clever and very organized and efficient about the way we use our resources and i look at some of the decisions we've made that on the surface might look like good transfers but when you look into the context of the kind of the whole around it just become really bad decisions um, and bad uses of, of resources and the classic one i think is the goalkeepers because we've signed Bree samba who looks like a terrific signing you know i think a lot of people are probably putting him up there as the best signing of, of the season that's come into the club. We've spent £2 million on him. We're paying him presumably a reasonable amount of money. He's our number one goalkeeper. But around that, we've then brought in another international goalkeeper on loan who reportedly is on a very, very, or was on a very high salary, it was costing us a lot of money, rarely played, eventually went back to his parent club. Um, and we've also got another international goalkeeper who we're paying probably a reasonable amount of money to as well. We've basically told to just shunt to the side and not bother taking part, even though we're still paying him. And then we've got Jordan Smith as a young homegrown lad who is still the person who ends up on the bench and, and then dropping in when we need him um, and actually doing a pretty good job um, in the circumstances. So the transfer of Samba, great bit of transfer business, in this summer but the context around the activity that's gone around that position means we've actually sunk a huge amount of our resources into that position um, and that player which means that we haven't got those resources to go into another part of the pitch and how can we therefore really expect however well the manager can bring those pieces together and make them perform how can we really expect to then compete within the top six of that that competition you know actually is the manager doing really a an outlandish job to even have us involved in that for as long as he did. Yeah, and that, that you know what, that's, that's a good point that we haven't probably really, really picked up yet. And it, it is very valid. And, and you'd mentioned resources for goalkeepers, a prime example. Yet, Lamushi has taken us through the entire season. Okay, it's ended in a bit of catastrophe. But have we had just one striker for the entire season? I would say we probably have. Um, Tyler Walker was there for after Christmas. De Costa was there, but neither, Walker hasn't really played. Um, and De Costa has been more of a sort of a competition for Amiobi and Lolly, I suspect, on the wings. So there are there are points like that where we are so top heavy goalkeeper, um, but then we've had we've not had them options um, up front, and you do wonder um, why that is. Now, to be fair. I've been the first to criticise them and we've gone out and shelled money in a panic signing. And I, I wouldn't want us to go out and spend four or five million pounds on a striker in January just because. But these people uh, that are running the club, employing people to do this recruitment, why have we not got this, this plan to go and actually bolster our squad in the right places in January? Because I do think if we'd assigned 
I forget how many we did sign in January, but if we if we hadn't signed Dear Carby and Bong and put that towards two players that could have had something of an impact, I think we would have been sat here talking about the playoffs next week now. Yeah, I mean, to, I just want to quickly say, I've forgotten about Pantelimon. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's what they want us to do, isn't it? He's, he's, he's gone. Yeah. That's, that, that's the problem. But he's actually under contract for next season as well. Yeah. So yeah. he's not gone at all in, in any resource sense in terms of um, what's happening to our, um, you know, our budgets and our ability to, to pay for things. And we've, we've previously had, um, you know, similar situations with um, defensive midfielders, with centre-halves, you know, where we've, we've tied up resources. Um, so I think it's, a, it's an area that needs a lot of consideration of, of also how do we how do we intend to build our squad? How do we tend to... So you mentioned Brewster at Swansea earlier. Well, how do we become an attractive club to those types of Premier League kind of players who are being offered out as, you know, they're going to be perhaps the elite group of players that we're not going to develop ourselves. They're going to be out of our kind of Category 2 status in our academy. But we might be able to access that kind of elite young player who's looking for opportunities before kicking on into a Premier League career. But how do we become attractive to that if we are undefined, if we don't have an identity as a club, we don't have a consistency about how we play and how we utilise um, people like that? How do we make ourselves... So if they're going to be our market, how do we appeal to them? Um, at the moment, we seem to be kind of picking a bit from a, a different sort of collection of places really you sort of don't want to panic buy a striker for four million pounds but we've kind of panicked by a right back for two million pounds um we we don't seem to have a really clear idea of the best way of getting the most out of the resources that we've got available in order to yeah. make up that competitive gap that we've inevitably got by not having the money of parachute payments uh, and everything else yeah you know i mean People, you know, some fans will point to, oh, well, you know, well, we've got a few low knees and that's cheap and stuff. But actually, is it? If you look at, you know, the likes of Bostock, we've had on a season-long loan. And, I mean, I should just think of the number of minutes he's played in an entire season and in, compared to how much we're, we're paying him. So I'm assuming he's going to be at least 50% of his wages. You look at someone like Bong, who played once. He's been there since January. How much of his wages are we paying? The likes of Dear Carby as well. Um, you know, and you think, I think we've signed Bong, haven't we? Sure, we've signed Bong player. On a, oh, did we yeah. sign him? We've signed him on a two and a half year contract despite being 32 and not really being somebody that we currently see fitting into our team. Well, look at why I didn't know. I mean, that is just mind boggling, <laughs> utterly mind boggling. You know, once you know, and then there you, there you go, in one classic example of what are you doing with your resources? I don't know. I mean, I'm speechless now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ridiculous. The, the Bostock one as well. I mean, he, he, we could use him and a few others. I do think we've been quite we've been quite positive about Lamushi in this. Um, I do wonder why the players like Bostock um, and obviously the old enigma of Carvalho. I do wonder what what on earth has happened with these players. Bostock made an appearance for us um, quite a few games into the season is his debut, I seem to recall. And he was woeful. He was terrible. Um, but but he, he found himself back in eventually and he actually looked quite good. But then, but then he, he's, he's never really played. Carvalho, we know about. Now, I can understand there are elements of Carvalho which doesn't fit into a Lamouche side. 
But still, you've got to wonder, why are these players not getting a go when it looks like we actually need these players? I'm thinking about when Sow and Watson were out at the start of the post-lockdown period. I'm actually quite a fan of Yates. I think he played quite well last night, actually, again. But he... he um, he he has he has um he has a tendency to Mushi where the players are just not when there seems an obvious opportunity for some of these players to suddenly come into the side whether it's off the bench or start they they are nowhere and I do think I do think that needs to be part of questioning from from the owners and, and the rest of well what actually is happening here because we're paying these people big wages off stock for example and what, what are we doing so that that would be that would be one criticism I would aim at the manager I think in terms of why are we not utilising some of these players better? Um, he may have his reasons, of course. I don't know what's happening um, around the club and the training, but it does it does make me wonder. And looking at things like Twitter, you can see that is a fairly generic question that's being asked about these players. I think you're right, Nat. You look at Carvalho and you think, you know, some people will point to him and say he's a luxury player, he's not going to track back. But look at... Um, his understanding of the game. I mean, I, I would say, you know, when when he and Osborne were both in the same area, probably were the two players that had the best footballing brain in in the Forest squad. And his understanding with Graben um, was was working quite nicely. Um, and do you see? Then you have to sacrifice yourself, sacrifice something, and say, well, look what Carvalho brings to the team. He certainly brings a lot of creativity, and that's something we've been lacking to a certain degree. And uh, you know. Um, Graben has been running his heart out, heart out really, in terms of you know, and his work rate has been tremendous for very little reward. I mean, how really you know, living off scraps, he scored twenty goals this season is a tremendous achievement. Um, and but having someone like Carvalho playing maybe in that number ten role, I don't know, but um, you know, having that, and they did have that bit of understanding when they were playing under Karanka and and you know. So yeah, you're right to people are right to question why aren't you using someone like Carvalho to be specific on one particular player? Right. So clearly, there's plenty for the club to be thinking about in terms of how did we get to this position that we found ourselves in at about half past nine last night. Um, and that's something that we obviously really need to spend some some serious time looking into. But I think there is also um, some consideration to be given to the fact that we've just had quite a big psychological blow taken by the whole club, really, which is going to knock everybody sideways. We've kind of commented on our own feelings about, you know, where we were at last night and how we felt. I still felt, to be quite honest, this morning after a pretty sleepless night, analysing what had gone wrong um, in my own head. Um, Sabri himself looked shell-shocked by the whole thing. We've then got, on top of that, an FFP situation, which we don't entirely understand. I mean, it might be that some of the rules will change, I guess, because of the pandemic and all of the issues that that throws up. But we are next, next year heading into the third year of the cycle in which we've got two quite big loss years already banked up. So we need to have quite a, a, a good financial year to come in within those those sort of boundaries with then perhaps the following year we lose one of those big spending ones and we get to go again so I think we're probably in a lull from that perspective financially that we need to take into account um we've then got the added thing of you know the players they look a bit like the walking walking wounded at the moment they look tired they look like they're carrying niggling injuries 
and we're going into what is really presumably going to be quite a small summer. Um, I think the current date is looking at about the 12th of September for the season to restart. Mm. That's about eight weeks away. So, you know, these players have got to somehow get a break in, recuperate and come back refreshed and psychologically ready to go into another pre-season to be ready for a season to kick off again, probably without fans initially um, to go again. So expectations have probably got to be a little bit tempered when it comes to next year. And I think there's probably a temptation to say, well, can we do a Leeds? Can we bounce back from disappointment and then really make a mark? But is that really fair of, of whoever's in charge and, and whoever's here playing in that team? I think I think the Leeds example is one I was just about to make about. I, th- I think, you know what? I've been, a, I've been a fan of these players. Um, I still am, of course. Um, I think they're a, a good bunch. And what I would say is, I will feel disappointed if they they use this as a hangover. I know there is only a short gap, but that could also turn around to be a positive for us. And I want them to come back with fire in the bellies, righting some wrongs, showing that what happened at the end of the season was was unfortunate, but only only that. And it wasn't about them being weak-willed and, and not having the, uh, the strength to, to see it through. And I really, really hope that those players, hope, hopefully most of them will remain, are using this to really try and galvanise next season. Do I expect that to happen? Possibly not. Um, I think a lot of it will come back down to how we how we go about tweaking this squad uh, and what kind of starting lineup we have come the 12th of September or wherever it may be. So a hangover is possibly expected, but I do think you know what? Why 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 should there be? Why can't we be one of these stronger teams and come come out firing and thinking, right, you know what? We had a go, we finished a highest position for a while. Let's bloody go at this and not use this as an excuse. And let, let's have a bloody good season. Because a lot of this I think is sometimes the fact that we expect as fans and as players, we probably expect the worst to happen. Well, let's change that. And Sabri hopefully can be part of changing that culture. Yeah, I, I entirely agree with that. And there, there, there is, you know, we are all human beings. Just because they're professional footballers doesn't mean that it is not affecting them the same way as it affects us as fans. I think what we need to be careful of, and the club needs to be careful of, is if they if they stick with Sabri, and, and it would be nice if they did, and they go again, and we we kind of enter this new season in a bit of a lull, um, and it takes you know, half a dozen games, 10 games to kind of pick ourselves back up and get into that groove again. Because, you know, it could well be that they'll say, well, we'll give you 10 games if you're not doing what we want you to do, then you're going to be out the door. Um, you know, there's always that possibility. Um, but yeah, I agree entirely, Matt. I mean, I like, you know, these players would, would want to prove that, you know, they are the right people for the job and they can get it done. And as you say, why can't we do what other clubs do? You know, let's 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 hope that's the case. I think there's a nice balance there actually between yes, come back and grab this and make a point and make a, a statement about who you are as as players. Um, alongside that, I think which is a nice balance, Sean, around you know, if it does take a couple of games to to get the momentum back, then let's give some little bit of space there as well to say that if we are going to bounce back, we're going to need to bounce back together um, and not just dive in and then make a, a snap decision 
very briefly into a, a new season that essentially just puts us into a you know a really tricky spot all over again. Um, yeah. One thing I did think that certainly gave me a bit of a a kind of a boost back as far as the players as well were concerned, and I think again it was a very genuine reaction was was seeing Lolly out there on the pitch. I think we have got maybe not an extended group, maybe as we've kind of discussed before, one or two have been kind of pushed out to the fringes. But the players that we have got in Lamouche's group, I think they are an honest bunch and I think they do feel it. Um, I don't think they're, they're going through the motions um, when we see them like that on the pitch. I think they genuinely do feel it and hopefully that will mean that it's something that they can uh, they can use to galvanise themselves. Um, rather. Yeah. Lolly, Lolly's reaction was... was was as distressing as it was um, heartwarming, I guess. Heartwarming in that, obviously, you see what it means. And I do think there are, if you look at the if you look at the starting 11 and maybe a couple of players beyond that, I, I think, you know what, we've got, a, we've got a group here that do genuinely are not only good footballers, but, but, but are invested in what we're trying to do. Uh, and I think that's personified by the likes of Lolly and, and Joe Worrell. Um, and players that we've added, Samba, we talked about, Amiobi, I think has been, I think he's been fantastic for us this season. And I think players like that are what we need to be actively recruiting, not just because these are good footballers, but players that are gonna that are gonna buy into that. Um yeah, Lolly, Lolly's had a um few few um sort of quieter periods of the season, but he but he's, he has really, really been one of our shine lights in there in this lockdown period. There's been a bit of a a sound note in some ways to, to end on a season perspective. We've ended on a, a kind of downer that I was going to say that we couldn't predict, but some people clearly did looking at the betting slips that are going around on, on Twitter. Um, we shouldn't have been able to predict. Um, but let's try and go out on a, a slightly kind of a higher note and just look back on, on one or two of the moments that stick in your memory for the good reasons um, from this season. What were the highlights? Um, do you know what? One of, the, one of the best performances I've seen from us this season was that away game against Derby. I've never seen us so organised and, and determined to get a result. Um, I mean, for me, that was um, the best away performance I've seen in, in, in quite a while. It's just a shame we weren't there to actually witness ourselves. Um, so that, that would be, I think, my playing highlight. Um, but, um, you know, I'm not one for forensically remembering games like a lot of you young boys are able to do these days and come back with encyclopedic knowledge about who took a corner and who really edited it against the post. Um, so I'm going to have to step aside and, and kind of think about any other games. Uh, but in terms of players, I think um, our most improved player this season probably for me is, is Cash, you know, uh, as, a, as a right back come, you know, wing back. I think he's been tremendous for us this season. And um, the one who has surprised me the most, Matt, you probably mentioned him, is, is Amiobi. Um, he's been fantastic. And he was fantastic as well until the final couple of games it, coming back in, in this lockdown period as well. I think he's been a genuine delight to watch. You know, sometimes you wonder whether the... His brain knows what his feet are doing, but it doesn't matter because his feet do some tremendous stuff and bamboozle, you know, the opposition quite, you know, and it's quite lovely to watch. Um, 
So those probably the two standout players for me. If I'm going to mention just one more, I'd say up until probably the last two or three games of this season, um, Samba has probably been uh, the best goalkeeper I've seen at Forest for, for a number of years. Um, not only in shot stopping, but you know, commanding his area distribution. I think he was a fantastic buy. I'm hoping this blip in his form um, is just a blip. And he, and he goes into the next season with the same um, amount of um, you know, talent that he, he showed for a large majority of this season. I think, um, I think Twitter being Twitter, it was kind of a few people have decided that because we finished seventh and it ended on such a sour note, that this possibly can't be a good season. I think the point I'd like to get across, first of all, is that I actually I disagree. I think it has been a good season. I think if you, if, if you are saying that we are top six or it's nothing, then I think that's kind of not what you're thinking about, where we've been for the last decade and a half, because we aren't entitled to be in that top six. We, as we've found, we really have to deserve and earn it. We have finished higher again. I know that's scant consolation at the moment, but every, every, for the last three years, we have finished higher and higher. Won't be as um, progressive and as rapid as, as the owners will want, but we are moving in the right direction in terms of the table. Um, and I think maybe when there's a little bit of distance between that Stoke game and um, sort of moving on into the summer, I think we might have to look back and think, you know what, we've been we've been pretty good at times this season. Um, and I looked at the final playoff standings, um, which I shouldn't have done, but uh, I looked at the final playoff stands and I thought, you know what? We've, we've got Brentford, Cardiff, Swansea and Fulham. We've beaten every single one of them teams away from home this season. You know what? I really can't be asked to work it out, but I bet we've, I bet we've never done that in the 20 years. We, we beat the, the top, well, the, four, the, the top four playoff teams. And um, we have got that bit about us to go. We've got that knack we've developed to go and get these results. It's been great for me. I've done, I've done before the lockdown, I've done all of the games and it's the best I've seen as away from home, um, very possibly ever, um, since I started going sort of turn of the century regularly. And that has been my highlight to go away from home. And we always have great days. We always, we always enjoy it no matter what. But we've actually gone and actually won games and I felt confident. The one that stands out for me is totally bizarre, but we went to Cardiff on that Tuesday night, not long before the, um, before the virus impacted. And it was a horrible long way. 700 Forest fans went. And in years gone by, that would have been a chore. Um, that would have felt like, oh God, you're going here just because you go each week. And um, I went there really excited because I thought, you know what? This is a fairly big game end of the season's approaching and I actually thought I'm looking forward to this and we won I think it was 1-0 and that's kind of summed up the season for me we played pretty well without being fantastic got the win uh, and things were looking so positive we've had other games um, that have been such such memorable games Fulham away at the start of the season um, I remember the the Leeds game at home um, February time and the um, the Brentford away game on the Tuesday We've really, really had some great moments this season. Now, these great moments, as we know, don't, don't turn us into a good side, but we've had more of them. And I, I really, really am trying to look at these positives and that, you know what, if, if football boils down to what it should be, and it's about enjoyment, 
for me rather than results. Well, I've enjoyed this season as much as I've enjoyed any of the last 20, I would say. And for me, whatever people tell me on Twitter, that, that, that is the defining line for me. I've enjoyed this season, therefore it is a good season for me. I, I absolutely agree with that, Matt, entirely. It's been a tremendously enjoyable season for the most part. I think one of the one of the best things about the enjoyment of this season has been, and it's easy to forget it in the frustration of what happened yesterday. And I, th- I think there has been a bit of that going on in that people have people have got upset, and as a result, they've forgotten that actually this season was really, I think, probably the the most united I can remember this club for a really, really long time. You know, it really has felt that. The players have been bought into what they're doing with their manager. They've all been one kind of happy unit. Um, and they've reached out to the fans and the fans have had a really great kind of interaction, obviously a bit more difficult since the lockdown, but that the fans, the players and the manager have all been on the same page together. There's been times where I've been at games and thought, you know what, last year they'd have been booing at this point. This year there's there's songs and there's there's cheering and there's a sense that actually we can play a part here and we can join in and get behind it and it's really important that we don't forget that because that's what it's all about at the end of the day is that we're part of this club and they're part of this club and if we're all heading in the same direction it's amazing how many extra kind of points and places it can buy us when we are trying to get into those kind of final places you wonder you know if we'd had if we'd had the opportunity to be there could we have played our part in these final games to, to get us over the line? I, I, th- I, think, I think we would have finished top six. I, I would stick my neck on the line and say, with fans in the ground, I think we've got a really strong, good connection with the team this season. I think that would have made the difference. I really do. In terms of one kind of footballing moment, um, the one that just really leaps out to me is the, the goal against Fulham at their place, which was just, you know, we, we talk about Sudbury having a, an effective way of, of playing, having an organised way of playing, playing on the counter. I mean, that was one of the best bits of football, again, that I can remember for a very long time. As a goal, it was just sensational. And once we've got over all of this and we're feeling a bit happier about football again, that is somewhere that I think everybody could kind of head um, to give themselves a bit of a lift because that was just a one sensational bit of football. And the other thing that's jumped out to me, even amongst all of everything that happened yesterday, is just how incredible the championship is as a place to play your football. And there was something going around on Twitter, um, which I spotted and I kind of shared without really absorbing the full kind of meaning of it, just because of you know where we were. But somebody shared a picture of the championship table, the bottom five places with six games to go, and every single one of those teams escaped. I mean that's that's got to be unprecedented. That's just incredible. Um, so it's a it's a belting place to watch football, the championship, really. Yeah, I mean, we've got to um, we've got to remember as well as as much heartache as we've got. Most of us, myself included, rave about this league and how exciting it is. I guess sometimes we have we have to acknowledge that sometimes we're going to be on the wrong end of it, aren't we? As far as fans, we often tend to be on the wrong end rather than on the right end. But yeah, it is a brilliant league. There's no doubt about it. And to hop back to what I was saying a moment ago, I've got no real issues being in this league next season. The Greeks will totally disagree with me. The players will totally disagree with me. Quite a lot of the fans probably will be. I'm, I'm happy enough where I am. I just want us to carry on going in the right direction. At the moment, I think we probably will do that. 